As teachers, we have the opportunity to foster positive changes to the everyday experience in our schools. Investing time in improving school culture is worth the effort. This quote comes from Brad Kuntz from the September 2012 issue of Education Update. I'm Danielle. And I'm Raleigh. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. The city customer. <laughs> well, that was quite a song. <laughs> You know what? We get the free songs. We do. So sometimes it goes to the ad. In case anybody didn't about. notice that we weren't actually playing the music ourselves, creating the music ourselves. Or we weren't picking up Taylor Swift songs or something. I think oh. we're actually allowed to as long as it's under a certain amount of seconds, like oh. seven. Well, then then I'm doing that in the future. You, you should. Yeah. You're, well, I mean, you're... Maybe it's, guess guess what song this is. You're a big like, T-Swift fan. Oh, yeah. These days. You only have seven seconds. Guess what song this is. Yeah. Uh, this, this podcast is coming to you on a day that's had a lot of... St- fits and starts we, yeah. we have had a lot of attempts to start this there's been some dog activity there's been some laughing i got i got a there's been some tongue tied another dog mm-hmm. yesterday and so uh it's proven to be a little bit challenging with two dogs in a yeah. house one being a puppy mm-hmm. and we're on location on location technically mm-hmm. we're not in the nook not in the nook so uh, it's been an entertaining hour in 15 minutes, but it is close to dinner time, so we're a little, uh... <laughs> <laughs> a little punchy. Yeah, a little punchy. So, um, how are you? I'm good. How's it's, your... We, we've been back to, uh, we're back to you and I. We've had a couple of interviews lately, That's so true. this is back to the the way it all began, <laughs> if you will. The way it was. Well, and in some ways that's kind of symbolic of our theme today, about having kind of a fresh start for teachers going into the school year and positive culture in the school community, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's that time of year again. I feel like it it's um, a good time to talk about creating a both a classroom culture and environment that's conducive to all students, but also that school culture piece, like how you, as an educator, can be part of that larger systemic school climate right and I think we you know obviously we're still in a the midst of a lot of uh, teacher shortages across the country and people just kind of losing their appetite zeal um, motivation passion for this field for a myriad of reasons which you know we don't have to get into all of those but I think you know kind of finding a way back to some baseline level where people feel really good about the work they do and that comes from feeling like you are making a difference you are supported and you have the tools you need to be successful and to impact students lives in a positive way yeah one of my themes for this year and probably next year too is really thinking about professional development and training and modeling coaching and even that cross it's like um it's something it's like a partnership with other classrooms to be able to like go in and see what they're doing mm-hmm. and it just creates this community which I think increases that climate um, and environment I mean because I think for teachers it's hard to do it all on your own oh absolutely we, I mean we've definitely talked about that multiple times where you know I think we've sometimes teachers I think feel like it's all on them and it feels that way I think we often talk about ideas that we don't want teachers to feel like these ideas become something that's a burden to bear that it's actually helpful knowing how many things they're juggling at one time you don't want to add too many more things to the plate but I think I always remember how you talked about being a teacher and how you always started the year 
really front loading a lot of things and giving kids a lot of kind of structure and limits and being really kind of more strict with things so that everybody kind of got on the same page, got into a routine, and then you could loosen that a little bit as you went along. And obviously, depending on the setting you're in, that can vary. But I think there are tools that even in the most restrictive settings could apply to kids that are, you know, more in a public education setting too. Well, I also, in a, in pre-K through, I would even say college postgraduate, consistency, no matter what age you are, is helpful. Would you say it's key? It's key. Consistency Consistency is is key. key. Maybe that's a quote we should have found today. Yeah. Oh, well. Somebody said that once. Some other day. Uh, But, but like, even as someone who, you know, when I went to college, if I knew what I was expecting every day, Mm. we get the syllabus, right? You don't always get a syllabus in middle school or high school. And so you don't know what's coming months ahead. I mean, some schools might do that. That feels like a lot. It feels. And and no one's expecting that. But I'm saying, my, my point is that consistency is there, whether you're three yes. years old yes. or 53 years old no because some people like to go to school you know yeah oh yeah there's never too it's never so, too late to learn yep so i think that that is like consistent scheduling making sure your related service providers are coming consistently and they're not just dropping in to pick kids up that helps you and the kids mm-hmm. it helps with your planning and it helps the students and obviously being on the getting together with team members that are within your classroom as well. Um, you know, it could be a classroom of 25 kids that has one or two other support staff, but getting on that same page. I mean, we, again, we've talked about that a lot. It seems kind of like something people would do, but we can't assume that that's even something you have time to do. So making the time to really look through information on kids and understand where they're at, what levels they're at, pairing kids up with adults that understand how to work with them, pairing other kids up with each other where you feel like you have good groupings together and, you know, just really going in with a positive mindset. I think, again, we've, we're still digging ourselves out of a lot of things in the education field and coming in with a fresh, happy, positive attitude that things can be successful is a huge part of that. It seems obvious, but it doesn't always, I think, translate that, we are the, you know, we, we started off for kids. They see us and how we're responding to things, how we present ourselves. They're reading that and feeling something off of that. And if we just come in with a negative attitude or just like a defeated energy, then what's the hope of them buying into anything? You know, some kids are going to be that are able to just self-start and do the work, but a lot of kids need that kind of cheerleading and that boosting from the positive energy that you provide as the adult. Well, I always... when people say like the fake it till you make it stuff Mm. like that is so valuable almost probably one of your most valuable tools because whether it's about a relationship with a student or the lesson that you're teaching Mm -hmm. if you're faking that you like them or the lesson because we all let's be real we don't love every single kid that comes through our door fair (laughs) and I also think with teaching units and lessons while you know I just remember when I would teach social studies for years and years when I taught like ancient civilizations. I'm like this. Oh, that's fun. This is the worst. And so for years I would try to find ways to make it fun. And then I was like, is there some other way that I can like embed whatever the common course or frameworks were? Is there another like subject I can touch upon for this? And I ended up finding something that was way more interesting to me, but trying to fake something that you don't enjoy going into 
is hard, but it's really valuable when you're talking about your classroom climate and like making sure other kids are in, making sure the kids are engaged. Well, and I I just gave this this advice to a, a colleague who's new to the field. I said, like, don't let you know you can whatever's happening underneath the surface. Obviously, like we just did a whole episode on self care. So Teresa Melito Connors, don't come after me. But <laughs> it's not that you shouldn't you know if you're really feeling anxious about your position, but you know, not letting kids see you sweat, like conveying that you have this, you've got this, you're confident in that moment and break down after the fact, if you can hold it in, but like trying to show that you get, you've got this, even if you feel overwhelmed in that moment, because the second those kids see that you don't have it, that's when they start to lose it too. And you may have some kids that, you know, especially in the setting that I'm in where they are so hypervigilant of adult behavior and adult responses. And if they feel and sense that you don't feel confident, it's, it's game over. So I think kids that maybe are more on the cusp of they're anxious, they're worried, they're depressed, they're, they're, you know, maybe feeling like they're not connecting with people. And then you come in and it's like, you're not sure what you're doing. It just feels like you're climbing out of a hole after that. And it doesn't, again, not, not that you can't come back from that, but trying to set yourself up to feel successful about what you're teaching, how you're engaging, how you're interacting and creating those positive moments. We did a podcast where we had some suggestions of like activities you can do to team build and, you know, doing things with the classroom to kind of even just that first couple of weeks of really building those relationships, because that's what's going to sustain you as the year goes on that you've created those relationships. Well, I feel like there's a lot of pressure for teachers, especially in a public school setting to push through the curriculum, push that rigor, finish yeah. certain things by certain months, finish certain units by certain days. Valid, and I'm going to tell you right now. You get more bang for your buck. Kids are going to be more successful if you build those relationships first because they're going to want to learn with someone that they know cares for them and is teaching them for a reason. And I was actually in some, like a training or something recently where that was like the exact point. It was like, if I teach the crappiest thing, Mm -hmm. but I have that relationship with kids, they're going to want to, they're not going to say, why am I learning this? Why am I doing this? Because even as adults, sometimes we go through our professional developments and we're like, why am I doing this? And it's really like, you're actually like your subconscious is like, I'm bored. I don't want to do this because if you're really into the person, you're going to try to, you're going to be engaged in it regardless if you're going to learn something or not. And so for kids to have that relationship, um, and building that in the first couple of weeks, I think, is the most valuable thing I mean, to do. There, there's a, a teacher that we're both very fond of that um, would be giving some really boring worksheet and all these kids with, you know, troubles and behaviors and all kinds of, of learning challenges were doing this worksheet. And it's like, how in the world did you get these kids to sit down and do this worksheet? Because her relationship with those kids was so strong that they bought in to even something that many other groups could not, they would not have handled that. And I say this all the time, like I'm less concerned with, you know, all the skills you have as a teacher or an OT or a speech pathologist. I can, I'm more concerned with how you build relationships because that's where it really starts. It ends and begins, begins and ends, begins and ends. I guess it begins before it ends. So it begins and ends with how you relate. If you can't relate, forget how great you are at, you know, physics. Like it doesn't matter because like, look, we've all had those physics teachers 
and those calculus teachers who, I've actually never who, taken physics oh so <clears throat> we've definitely all had those calculus teachers who stood with their back also to the classroom <laughs> and just wrote formulas on the board and spoke into the into the board this is when like you actually had I think there was a dry erase board but it probably was chalk whatever I had a dry erase board because Either our way. teacher <clears throat> threw their dry erase marker at a student oh, and I no, was like this, that seems inappropriate this, this um, individual would just face away from the group and if you knew how to teach yourself calculus you were fine if you were me you had no idea what was happening and there was no relationship there whatsoever to build on to to feel comfortable even approaching this individual and saying i'm not understanding what you're teaching dare i say you didn't and again this isn't this seems dramatic but i feel like you didn't feel safe in that environment to be able to ask questions. Yeah, it wasn't a comfortable, and and this is, it wasn't a comfortable situation because it would reveal a vulnerability of like, I'm not understanding this when other people are getting it and they're teaching themselves and I should be able to teach myself this. And then, you know, do you go to this, this individual and say like, I'm not understanding you. I don't know (laughs) what you're teaching. Then that feels like a weird dynamic. So. Well, maybe your calculus teacher could have his back to the wall if you mean <laughs> to the, the class. class. If he had some accommodations uh, set in stone in there, some natural accommodations. Well, it's so funny you bring that up because I think, you know, in sort of more of a mainstream general ed situation, you don't think of a lot of universal accommodations. Especially in middle and high school. No, right. So, like, even just think, I mean, you know, in full disclosure, this was a college class. Oh. But, sorry, but, you, you know. You had to take calculus in college? Sure did. Can we, like, sidebar real quick? Yeah. <laughs> How did you, why did you have to take calculus It was in part college? of my um, program. Have you ever used calculus Heck in your no. therapy? No. Okay. No, 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 no. I have not. Um, I also had to take biostatistics. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And I was atrocious at math. Math is not for me. So we're, this is where we uh, yes. are polar opposite. Yeah. Cause I am a math whiz. Yep. Although pre-calculus is actually in, in full disclosure, the calculus class, maybe it was pre-calculus. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. It was, it was something with calculus in the title. Okay. <laughs> and in full disclosure, it was when I was still learning to be a physical therapist. Oh, but regardless, I had to take the class. I feel like <clears throat> when would you ever need like the, the I mean, it was pretty, it look, you know what? We're not just a hat rack this head of mine okay i was just, but in reality if we, if we go grander scope to this and again mm-hmm. this is a sidebar so we yeah, apologize yeah, sorry um it, we've been talking about this recently about pre-calculus specifically in calculus because mm-hmm. it's like when unless you're going to be a mathematician mm-hmm. when are you ever going to need calculus well it's also like you could offer me a million dollars to tell you one thing I remember from that class. Same. I can't, I, I think I can remember, I don't even think I can remember the person's name that sat next to me. <laughs> I have, like, I don't remember the room it was in. I don't remember, I just remember that the gentleman teaching the class was facing away from us and was writing <laughs> furiously the entire time. And this is before you had tablets and everything was handwritten. Mm-hmm. No clue. Couldn't tell you a formula, couldn't tell you anything about it. I had a class like that in college too, and I can picture the teacher, mm-hmm. and I know we were in a computer lab. Oh wow! Computer but other lab. than that, I couldn't. Yeah. I can't tell you what the class was because it was so confusing to me. He would start talking, and I couldn't understand you know him, and I also couldn't understand the language he was using, which was English. But right, but like it was I have math. no idea. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I think it's it. You know, obviously, it's a per. These are personal stories, but I think they relate to the idea that. There is a way to provide accommodations both for students that have IEPs and 504s, but then also for everybody. Yeah. 
So what could be, what could have been a way for this teacher professor to reach more students mm. and not just expect that a student who has the brains to understand it was going to then teach the rest of the class. Right. And these are not isolated incidents. And I can recall, you know, even, I mean, obviously I haven't been a student for a long time, but, you know, even in high school and middle school, having ineffective teachers who did not connect with students. And in those days it was kind of like, well, you know, it's your fault as the kid, like you should right. learn the way that this teacher's teaching. We obviously have come a very far away from that. But I think understanding that there are ways you can accommodate for everybody and not feeling like it has to be a burden to add or take away or, you know, it, this shouldn't feel like something that, oh, now I have to do this to make it successful for my students. It's, it yeah. should be something that feels beneficial to everybody. And actually, I, there are things that I talk to like teachers and staff at where I am about saying this may seem different and new, but it actually will help you make kids feel like they can accomplish things more independently and less of the need for you to be next to them or checking in on them constantly, giving you time to actually address students who may need more support. Yeah. Well, and, and hold your eye roll educators in public school mm. settings, because I know that there's slow your eye roll a lot. You have a lot of pressure and there's a lot of pressure to do a lot of things in schools. Most of what I learned when I was a teacher was actually from other teachers. It mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily professional development although there were some that i learned a lot from i think mm -hmm. about social thinking mm -hmm. or you know some of those but project adventure project adventure um but most of what i learned and what i still take with me into my role today just in a different way was really from other teachers and all the instruction and it really wasn't that hard to implement once i saw what they were doing and i think that's where it's like really helpful to talk to the building administrators the principals and the leaders to say like hey we want to view and observe other classes and, you know, switch or however you do that. That time is very valuable because you can pick up so much in the moment versus like sitting in a two hour professional development, an hour in your board and saying like, when can I go get a water? Should I go to the bathroom now? Should I wait 15? I mean, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> there are cookies. Should I go get a cookie? Like, you know, I mean, you should. Yeah. Well, and it, so that brings up a point that do you feel being in the position you're in that it's if you don't feel that administrators are understanding that to the same degree, are you, is it incumbent upon the teaching team to go and approach the supervisory team and say, like, we want some guidance on how to implement certain things in the classroom? I think from, I think my philosophy is often different than other people. I think my part of it might be because I'm in the special world and I've always been in that student services Well, I'm just realm. thinking about the like, like, hey, I've had, I've been doing this for 35 years, you're not going to change me. Yeah, I mean. Mindset. Or like, you're not going to change, like, meaning administratively. Yeah. Like, I've done this for this long and like, this is just how we do every, this is what we do every school year. This yeah. is how we start every school year. I mean, I think definitely you'll run into that and so then it, I think for your benefit, if you have that leadership one, I'm sorry. Like, that yeah, sucks. Well, and I, I'm hoping more and more People are going away from that, but I also know that that still exists very prominently mm -hmm. in a lot of places. Then if you take it upon yourselves, I mean, I know my, I had a special ed teacher last year say like, I'd love to go observe X, Y, and Z's classes. Or I, I actually planned, um, I had a teacher who was brand new and I was like, you're gonna go observe this teacher, this teacher, and this teacher. You're gonna spend the week, we're gonna get you. And although the, um, the administrators were on board, I know that that's not always the case. Um, and so you, I think at that point you try to do it on your own. I don't, 
it's really hard to do because well, you don't have common planning time. Then you're taking your own time after school. Like it's, it's well, what about problem. pairing teachers up together? Like teachers that are new with teachers that have some established success and, yeah. and years under their belt. I know in mass, there's a required mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, for at the very least the first year, but for many schools, it's the first three years that you're a non-professional teacher. They consider it. I don't know if that's every con every country. Oh my God. Every state or every country. We have, we have people all over the world listen to us. But, um, I think that's, if you don't have that in your school district, finding a person that you can ask questions to and you can bounce ideas off of is more valuable than anything, Mm -hmm. I think. And even if you have a mentor that you don't love. Because in Massachusetts, it's required. Find somebody. Well, right. So that's the tricky yeah. piece, right? So like you're assigned to be with someone that maybe isn't innovative, motivated, uh, positive. I mean, something that I just, I don't know. The positivity, mm-hmm. at least in my mind, has shrunk. And I think when, I mean, how can we expect students to want to do the things we're asking them if we're approaching it with a negative attitude? That piece of it is in our control. You can control your level of positivity and engagement with something to some degree. And if we just walk into it feeling defeated already, then why bother? So find ways to feel like you're excited about teaching something, even if it's something that isn't your favorite topic or finding ways to connect with students and fun new ways that are going to bring you some joy because otherwise this is you know, again, we're, we're in a phase where I think teaching has become something that's, that feels very challenging for people, which I understand, but we have to find that positive energy somewhere. I think, and then, and to your point, remembering that it's your classroom Mm -hmm. and you, I mean, there are rules obviously, but like for the most part, how often is your principal walking through? Mm. I mean, not that I'm, not that I'm promoting introduce things that are not okay, but Mm -hmm. like, you should do so what makes have you a happy. Be a lookout and <laughs> yeah. make up a you should do what makes you happy in your classroom, and if that means like building those relationships and it's your space, put those unicorns up if you want to put those unicorns up. You know, do you know make it make it comfortable for you. You should feel safe in your own space because that's the only way you're going to create that safety net for other kids, for all the kids. <clears throat> so, if there are ways that you want to implement accommodations or I mean there's so much out there around universal design um and that offer just those like generic accommodations that could be used for any kids that differentiate instruction I encourage everyone to do that and and make kids feel comfortable in that space so I don't know that's that's all I have to say about that okay <laughs> and that's all I gotta say, about, gotta that. say about that you know it's been a wonky day everyone wonky I, you know what I'm showing my age by using the word wonky, wonky. I don't know the kid, the kid version of that, but I don't, I don't know. know whatever. If we thought about yeah. it long enough, we you know what? You have a would you rather, so let's. Uh, I do. Let's uh, move on. And you know this. what? I actually created this would you rather after watching an episode of Hoarders, so uh, I just feel like this is what this is my inspiration. Okay. Would you rather be the person who picks up dead animals off the road or a mold expert? Oh, I do. <laughs> Uh, I think I'd rather, uh, I think I'd rather, I guess, ooh, I guess a mold expert. Does that mean I have to go into houses? Yeah, of course. To like check out the Yes. Mold? Like yeah. quarter houses? Any house that has mold. I think I'd rather pick animals up. Wow. Mold, I think. I really feel I like this was. Because I can wear like was... a mask. Well, you, 
<laughs> so and for those that it. can't see her, she made a mask as though she was a raccoon. Are you thinking about the animals Nobody you have to pick knows. up? This <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's fun fact: you'd probably wear a mask being a mold expert too. I don't know that you'd walk in and just. Free, I, just don't, free I don't know inhale. if I can smell like the the. the okay, like, I, I feel like this. I thought as I read, I was like, oh, this is an easy one. Mold. Mold. I think it'd be cool to be a mold expert. Cool. Okay. Yeah, to like understand the different kinds of molds, where it comes from. I'm just but saying, like to I, actually see it in fruition and I have don't, to smell this stuff, the like gross food that's look, expired. No, Fine, it's mold. If I get to wear a mask, you get to. Of course, you do. <laughs> like I'm not going to take that away from you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and thanks for checking out um, Carrie Bonnet and Doctor MC over the last couple episodes. If you haven't heard them yet, check them out. It's pretty. They're pretty good episodes. We had a lot of fun recording them, and um, it provided just fresh perspective. So it was really, it was really great. So check us out on our social medias at Unstuck Podcast One on Facebook, Instagram, uh, the formerly known as TikTok. Although I think we're going away from that. Yeah. Uh, period. I haven't touched that in a while. Or LinkedIn. So have a good one, everyone. Happy start to the school year. Woohoo! Bye. Bye.